here's the thing. Even yeah. if ScarJo was done with being Natasha, even if she was done, why is everyone's first course of action to kill a bitch? Like, <laughs> why is everyone's first course of action to yeet someone off a cliff? What happened yeah. to just retiring? What happened to being like, right. man, I'm done with this. I'm going to be a consultant. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fuck off in the mountains. Like, why, what? Why do they have to die? Literally, right. you could have given her the same plot you gave Jeremy Renner four movies earlier. Exactly. Like, I'm going to go off and find my family. I'm retiring. Give yeah, me a I'm, call when the next Civil War breaks I'm, out. I'm going to go yeah. to Molina with the pigs, and I'm going to become a pig farmer. <laughs> like, you could have just <laughs> restore a farmhouse, do the whole thing. Like, homegirl yeah. could have just become a milkmaid, and I would have been fine with it. Like, why do they ha- Why'd they have to? We are live with another episode of The Keeg Live. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. Uh, the Keeg Live is the show brought to you by The Keeg, where we talk about a different geek subject every other geek week. So, uh, uh, this time around, we are talking about Black Widow, whether it be the movie that just came out that we definitely need to talk about. It can be uh, the character. Uh, it could be the comics. Uh, it can be like... Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. Not the spider. I mean, I, I feel like that's the one Black Widow that we don't really need to talk about. But other than that, Black Widow is what we're here to talk about. And I can't do it alone. Um, so I've brought two awesome guests with me. Before I introduce these two awesome guests, uh, just know that we are streaming to multiple platforms right now. Our main platform is volume.com slash The Keeg Show. But you can also find us on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, and if you're listening to us and not watching us, you're probably listening to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio now. Um, so if you, uh, uh, I would say you'd be missing out on our faces if you're not watching the live stream. But uh, uh, if you like our voices too and our thoughts, podcast works just as fine. Now, let me introduce uh, my two guests. Um, first of which, uh, she's been on the show before. Uh, I think in the last couple of weeks, um, she, uh, you may know her as Amanda just vibing on TikTok. We have Amanda Castrillo. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Just got out of work. Uh, it's hot outside, but I'm good. Uh, how hot is it out there? It's 100. I feel like I'm setting you up for a joke. How hot is it? 108. It's very oh. hot. <laughs> I mean, it, that sounds super hot. Like, it's not that hot over here. And, uh, I mean, it's still hot, but. Yeah. I think where you are, it typically tends to be like, you at least have like a breeze. We just have oven. Yeah. 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 Yours is pure oven. Mm-hmm. Um, oven. Well, I'm I'm glad that you get to be on this episode. Uh, 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 you always have some really good insights, so I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have a uh, newcomer to uh, uh, newcomer to the Keeg Live. Uh, but I've done uh, uh, Keeg related TikTok duet duos duos or duets i don't know what they're called uh we have alexis blake you may know her as alexis blake reads comics um alexis how you doing today i'm good thanks for asking um how hot is it over there <laughs> not how at all hot, hot is it <laughs> no okay no it was very rainy and cold today oh, i wish <laughs> does it rain out where amanda is <laughs> does it rain ever <laughs> no 
Like, yeah, it's just plain desert. Um, it's just Tatooine, man. This doesn't rain. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you imagine Tatooine is just a planet full of 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 desert? Like, there's mm-hmm. no different biospheres or anything. It's just no. every every place on Tatooine is where you are right now. It's it's coarse, rough, irritating. It gets everywhere. Um, <laughs> <exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's what they have on the city sign as they enter your city. Yes. Yeah. You now you are now entering that. They're um, in my house. I'm ca- I'm not kidding. Yeah. yeah. Is it is it really? Yes. It's like a beach. If you leave the window open, there will be sand in your house. There was a pile of sand in my kitchen. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, just okay. Um, I have so many questions. But okay. <laughs> uh. Uh, we're here to talk about Black Widow. The movie came out about a week ago. Um, or was that a year and six months ago? No, wait. When did it come out? When was it supposed to come out? Uh, it, it was supposed to come out before COVID. No, it was supposed to come out during the time and then COVID happened. So during that time, then it got like moved back. Uh, was there a lot of frustration? Like... Uh, for like whether it should be released on Disney Plus or whether it should be, like should just come out or like got pushed back like a year and a half or whatever. Like, was there a lot of frustration there? Uh, kind of. But at the same time, I understood. <coughs> like, I understood why they had to push it back because obviously nobody was going to go into theaters, and you do like the thing about movies that they do have to make their money back. So they, I, I think a theatrical release will make it back. However, um, it was still like, I think I should, they should have just held off on a date until they knew for sure what could, like what was going on. Cause I think the yeah. frustration came from like constantly changing the date. Like I would have much rather they go, we're going to push it back indefinitely. We'll get back to you when we know exactly what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they changed the date like 47 billion times. So Yeah. Uh, Alexis, were you looking forward to the original date of release, and then was it frustrating seeing it move? I mean, yeah, I understand why they did it, but I think the thing, too, when you change a date multiple times, you start to lose track of it. You start to lose that momentum, and I think there's a little bit there, too, where you kind of start to lose faith. Like, well, is COVID the only reason you're pushing it back? Are there other reasons? Like, are you not proud or satisfied enough with this movie to release it you know once like you get pushed back once and it's not really a big deal but when it keeps going especially when it's a movie that you know is a decade late that's you know that's a little frustrating there are questions about that uh yeah i mean i guess i can't i have to like uh not only did it was it supposed to come out last year and then get pushed back uh i guess the general consensus is it should have come out 10 years ago like uh, and I mean, we'll, we'll definitely be able to dive into that. Uh, I mean, was that, was that your thought? Like when they announced the Black Widow movie, did they announce the Black Widow movie after she died? Yep. Yep. Like I after so. Endgame, then they announced Wait. they were going to do a Black Widow movie? No, I think she was, I think it was already in the lineup. I could have swore okay. like back in like 2017 Tumblr, I saw like a giant lineup and like Black Widow was one of them. Yes, I was a Tumblr okay. kid. Don't, nobody come for me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. This is is from a Tumblr, so... I'm I'm pretty sure that they had it lined up. And it's kind of crazy that we're now living, like, the phase three and four of the MCU before, like, 
it's 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 almost like nostalgic and also weird at the same time. But I, I'm pretty sure she yeah. was in a lineup before she died. Like before like Endgame mm. came out, I'm pretty sure the Black Widow movie was already like a solidified thing that was gonna happen. Yeah, because I think right. the question when she died in Endgame was, well, what's going on with the movie? Like I remember oh. seeing her death and being like, Well, that's gonna be an interesting film. Like, is it mm-hmm. you know, what right. are you doing? Right. Uh it reminds me of I don't know if you saw the SNL sketch that they did where it was like like Black Widow gets her solo film, but it's a romantic comedy with Ultron. Did anyone did anyone see that one? No. <laughs> it's with Scarlett Johansson like guested on an episode of SNL and they were like, "Okay, let's do this fake movie trailer for a Black Widow movie." It was a long time ago. It was okay. like they were calling out the fact like we didn't have a Black Widow movie back then you know, as people were. It was, I think, right after Age of Ultron, so that was topical. So it was like, she's just a normal city girl who's also a secret super spy, you know? And, like, it's like Devil Wears Prada and then, like, Ultron also works there or something. I don't know. It was weird. But um, they've been calling out the fact that, like, we should have had a Black Widow for a while now. (coughs) Oh, eh. I definitely am going to look that up later after this. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was funny-ish, you know, yeah. uh, as SNL is. SNL has a wide range of, like, whether it hits or whether it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was, like, good, like, middle-of-the-road sketch. Um, uh, what were your thoughts then, knowing that, like, it's going to be released after she's dead? Um what are our thoughts? What were our hopes going into that? Uh, I kept hoping, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't want to get into the actual movie stuff, but like, I kept hoping there was an out. Like there was a way she was still alive. Like <laughs> I, yeah. I would have been fine. Like I would have hated the cop out like, Oh great. But then also been like hopeful for like her potential going forward. I could have just been like, I don't care. She, whatever. I'm just going to, like, retcon her death and, like, she's just a character that's alive from now on. And here's the thing, too. It's, like, I, I kept having this hope, like, going in, like you said, where it's, like, hope. I was, like, I wish she would come back. Like, I wish that when Yelena whistled that she would whistle back. Exactly. Like, I, I, I thought having, so, too. Yeah. I kept having that thought over and over and over again. I'm, like, this cannot be the end of Natasha. Because I think, I think what they tried to do, they're, like, yeah, Nat's gone, but at least you have Yelena now. And it's like, okay, I right. love her. I adore her. Like, she's Florence Pugh, impeccable. Yelena, a mood. I love her, and I'm excited to see her going forward. However, it's still so unfortunate that the character that we've had for over 10 years still did, technically didn't get a proper send-off. And right. the fact, I was hoping, too, like, I'm so okay, she's dead. But can we please see, like, a Tony-style funeral? Can we see, like the Avengers actually mourning over her and not just Hulk throwing a bench. Like, can we, exactly, yeah. can we please like have some respect for our girl who literally sacrificed herself for the greater good? Can we have that? And I feel like we still didn't. We just got a headstone, which how the hell did they get her body off of Vormir? Like we didn't see Cap coming back, calling her body. Like, like what? And I just, I felt like there was so much the movie did right as well as like, so much the movie did wrong and so many hopes that I had that were still not fulfilled, especially since like, again, we've had this character for over 10 years and she's still didn't even get a funeral. I, what? Like, 
Right. Ugh. It's a frustration, you know? Yeah. Uh, Alexis, <clears throat> thoughts? I mean, I think the one thing, like, I remember from Endgame was that the Russos were pretty quick to be like, well, Natasha didn't need a funeral because we're going to see her again in this movie, right? And so to see her again in that movie and still not get a funeral, I think was especially annoying because I'm like, you you teed it up for yourselves, you had the opportunity, and you decided that this, just this tombstone in front of a tree, presumably in Ohio, was good enough. But I think... Going in, some of my, like, my particular hopes for the film was that we would get a little bit more of an origin for her. Like, that would be bundled into the package we got as a movie, and we really didn't. We got hints at what Yelena's origin was and how the Red Room experience was for her, but we didn't really get a lot of that from Natasha. And I wanted some of what the Red Room was like for Natasha, and I wanted what S.H.I.E.L.D. was like for Natasha. I wanted more about what that first mission in Budapest look like and not to get any of that was a little disappointing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um let's talk I mean I mean let's use that to segue into the actual like like movie. Um uh I know uh, Alexis you you had talked on your TikTok about like at least liking the beginning certain parts of the movie. <laughs> There's a lot of the movie that I liked, okay? I just feel like I can like and enjoy a movie and still be aware and critical of what the movie did wrong. And I think in Black oh, Widow, yeah. there's quite a bit that just did not did not go well. But I will say the first like 20 minutes of that movie to me were incredibly exciting. I was like, oh, they're going to do it right. It's going to be great. Like the stuff in Ohio is so cool because it doesn't, it feels authentic to what... Well, it came a little late time-wise, but it feels authentic to that kind of like Americans Cold War sensibility of what being in America for Russian spies would have been like. And it also doesn't have a real background in the comics. So as me watching it, I'm like, oh, this is new. This is exciting where they're going, right? Like Natasha, who we know ends up in S.H.I.E.L.D., right, is the beginning of this movie is getting shot at by S.H.I.E.L.D. SUVs. So like, oh, surely, you know, that's a really interesting twist I didn't see coming. I think setting up the sexual exploitation angle with the trailers in the first 20 minutes of that movie, like that imagery was really powerful. And the opening credits to me were just phenomenal. Like I would just watch the opening credits, like the title credits on loop. I thought that was so clever. Um, as a way to kind of set the mood for what, not the original Red Room, because that would have been Dottie's Red Room, but like what that Natasha kind of Red Room era looked like. Um, yeah. So to me, like the first 20 minutes of the movie and then like the 2004, 2005 miniseries update near the end with the breaking of the nose, those were the, my favorite parts of the movie. So, um, In the beginning, when I saw like, I was trying to kind of focus on like what was going on in that beginning. Cause they were in Ohio and there was like perfectly like diverse mix of children on the street. Part of me was like, it's a Russian, it's a Russian like training facility neighborhood. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting over a cough. Um, Russian training facility neighborhood or a, a based on Ohio, but in Russia. Because it was, like, weirdly perfectly diverse. But, like, I don't know whether it would have been that if that was real America. But, uh, 
Uh, and then you see shield trucks coming, and then I was like, oh, wait, hmm, okay. And maybe it's me and my simple mind. I was I was thrown off a little bit. Um, I think it was actual Ohio, because they ended up, they did end up in Cuba. So I think oh, it would yes, have been a, a very long way with a tank of gas to go from Ohio to Cuba. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Especially with a I figured it out at a certain the point. Seat, she would have died. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think, oh, I think, I think especially movies probably... <laughs> Oh, are you okay? Are you okay, homie? Um, I think I'm dying. No, no, don't do that. Not with the Brona. Um, but I think um, movies had like, especially like movies in the 90s, 20, uh, 2000s, early 2010s, had this issue of like not showing diversity. So people just assume that some places aren't like as diverse as they actually are because- yeah. It, it was the 90s. I would understand if it was like the 60s or the 70s or like somewhere where it's like, yeah. uh, it's kind of iffy. But there were like, there was diversity. People just didn't show it on screen. So I think it yeah. was actually kind of realistic that you had like pretty diverse people because people did live like all together and, co- and they still do, obviously. But um, it yeah. was a little bit more of a mixed bag than people would let it to believe. Um, mm. And so as far as like it actually being Ohio, like, it it definitely was Ohio, but again, like the whole travel time between Russia and Cuba would be very, very, very long. Of course, um, yeah. And it was so bad too, because in the beginning scene, I actually like, I knew it was fake, but a part of me was like, oh, this feels real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, especially when like Molina like kissed her like knee, and I was just like, this feels oddly real. And then when she was just like, I don't want to leave, and I was like. Am I about to cry already? <laughs> like, I was already feeling something. And then when I like, they finally get to Cuba, and, like, part of me was expecting, um, like, their father, Alexi, I, I was expecting him to, like, help the girls, and then he didn't. And I was, like, I knew in my heart that he wouldn't. But in my head, like, I mean, I knew in my head that he wouldn't, but in my heart, I was just like, oh, he cares for these girls. He has to. He has to care for these girls. And then he lets them get injected and taken away. And I was like, oh, God. Like, I knew that they weren't messing around with my feelings after that. Because the lack, like, you just see, like, the demeanor just flip. And the concern just kind of fall away as soon as he passes Melina off. And I'm like, why did part of me think that he actually gave a shit? And, like, it was, it was... It, it hurt like when I saw them get taken away it physically hurt yeah um when we see Melina and Alexi talk in that beginning scene about like Melina I think was was the one to say hey uh why don't we just run or whatever yeah. and I don't then go. Yeah. I don't want to go uh and then Alexi was like no don't say that don't talk like um, that yeah. yeah don't talk like that and um I I thought I mean, that that was interesting, especially what comes later. I was like, oh, that's a weird switcheroo. But also, like, I, I did think, like, Alexi would be a better dad. Let's talk about Alexi. Because uh, in that beginning scene, like, I know he gave them up. But, like, I just thought, like, he would be better before the giving them up part. Not after that point. But, like, like I, we saw in those first ten minutes them fight as a family only to like give each other up or at least the parents gave the children up and later we realized they don't have any sort of connection it was three years of their their spy life and that was it Mm -hmm. um alexis you have thoughts about 
Alexi? Yeah, um, I think to me, Alexi and the way he was handled ended up being one of the, the bigger flies in the ointment to what this movie was. Because I think while in the writing, like if you were just to read the script, I think it comes across clearly that he is a narcissistic asshole that's just worried about his glory days. But I think in the portrayal, which was to be goofy and funny and to at a lot of times break the tension of more serious scenes that kind of muddied the water of how bad Alexi actually was. And I think it gets worse because he he spends the whole movie wanting to fight this battle and then gets to fight a battle. And that's kind of where we leave him. So it's almost like, you know, oh, well, everything he did was fine and he got what he wanted, where he spent most of the movie gaslighting these girls even as they were adults mm -hmm. and made an apology that they never heard but like in the end he gets to fight his battle and we kind of get to send him off and I feel like that portrayal kind of muddied the water of what that character was really supposed to represent um and because it's a female-led superhero movie that's focusing on themes like sexual exploitation and trauma, letting him get away with some of those things also muddies the importance of the themes. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think it's interesting that both Alexi and Drakoff are really shitty dads. And that at a certain point, like this movie is not shying away from the fact that like men with children also abuse women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that aspect yeah. is interesting, I guess. Yeah, not only men with children, men with with uh, uh, like daughters, even right? Like, because like, isn't there isn't there a thing where people are like, oh, I didn't realize that how bad guys were until I had a daughter. Out here respecting disrespecting women until you had one of your own to own, basically. Like, yeah, it's this weird. It's like. I know how guys, what guys really want, so no one gets near my daughter. It's, I don't know. It's just the, horrifying. it's just this weird thing. Uh, uh, with the thing about Alexi, though, to me is that, like, because you make him funny, but also gross, you get this weird sense of, like, well, boys will be boys. And it's, <laughs> and it's not apologized for. Right, it's like, well, this guy's funny, and like, I like him, so thus, you know, we shall accept his gross, horrible behavior. Like, that's another thing that really kind of bothered me about the movie. Like, looking back on it, because I'm one of those people where it's like I react feeling first, and then like brain second, and I have to really look back at something and analyze something and be like, wait, actually, but because like, one of the things that kind of bothered me about Alexi as a character is the fact that, like, he is the reason why, like, one of the reasons why all these awful things happen to these girls. And, like, we have to remember that Natasha was already, like, in the process of training when the movie started, when she was, like, a young kid with the blue hair. And she already was, like, protecting Elena. Like, she's only six. Like, she's already been through part of it. Right. And the fact that he compliments them when he sees them again on how many people they've killed... And, like, compliments them after all this horrible trauma they've been through, through mind control, through, like, 
being exploited and he's just like oh yeah like you've killed so many people i'm so proud i couldn't be prouder and people were laughing in the theater i'm like bitch i'm not laughing like this isn't funny like um they're both traumatized and it was played off for laughs and it's like i think that kind of missed the mark like it it, it just yeah like there's so many other ways you could have been funny that didn't have to involve like laughing at their trauma you know like it was just it it, kind of like rubbed me the wrong way where I was just kind of sitting there awkwardly like oh sweetie no like (laughs) no yeah Yeah. um it, it it was like if he was a good dad who made one bad mistake which was to trust in his mother country was it national or was it just his his allegiance to the red room like, I don't know, was he working for Russia? Or is it not a country anymore? Because it's not like... Alexis, you did you pick up on that at all? I don't know. Yeah, because I think right after the movie, a lot of people were like, well, it's in the sky, so is it Russian? And I actually... I find that interesting because if the movie had really leaned into the fact that the Red Room was run by Russia, then they are accusing the Russian government of sexually trafficking girls from all over the world, which is a little problematic. But I think right. I think the fact that like Drakoff is Russian and Alexei is Russian and ends up in a Russian gulag kind of implies that the Red Room is somehow involved with the Russians. And unlike the yeah. comics, what we're seeing in this film is set much later. So the the kind of Soviet Union into the Cold War, Stalin into post-Stalinism, evolution of the Red Room isn't there, um, which I think is is a little interesting in the way they decide to evolve and update the Red Room. I had feelings about that. But I would say, yeah, associated with Russian, associated with the state, yeah. Um, so, like, with Alexei, he wasn't, like, a good dad that just chose wrong like he was like russia or the red room will take care of my daughters and they didn't and thus he felt betrayed it was rather like he knew exactly what was going to happen and he continues to be a pig the whole time through and uh to the point where let's talk about uh one of the most poignant quote-unquote jokes uh where he asks them whether they're on their period he doesn't even know uh, like like he's that's like oh that was one thing too where it's just like you sent these girls off and you don't even know what they did to them like you know what i mean yeah where it's like or he does and he doesn't know that that there's a link between the two like which, he doesn't know how it works in which case he's an idiot <laughs> right but exactly. like that's the thing where, like when she was just like i don't have a uterus dumbass like i you can't menstruate without a uterus. It's all gone. Like, they, they sterilize them. They give them full hysterectomies. And he was just like, huh? Like, he reminded me of, like, the two eyes and the lips emoji. He was like, what? Like, <laughs> and I, I was just like, first of all, a period joke, really? Like, I, what year is right. it? It's, it's 2021. What is, who wrote that? I know it wasn't a, a man. woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And second of all, it's like, the fact that he, A, was either, that either sent them off to this thing and didn't even know what was going to happen to them and just did it anyway, or B, knew exactly what would happen to them and still doesn't make the connection because he's an idiot. Like, what? 
Like that, right. that, that just kind of missed for me where it's like, I think they could have explained them getting a hysterectomy without a period joke, you know, like that was handled yeah. very messily in my opinion. Would, uh, would they have, if the, it wasn't for the period joke being in the script, would they have done the history, like a, a, uh, informational dump on hysterectomies? See, I, I feel like they could have. Oh, sorry, Alexis. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, no. <laughs> I, I feel like they could have during the scene with uh, Yelena and Natasha when they were talking over the beer. And they were talking about what they were, like, what Yelena's cover life was when people asked her. Um, yeah. Especially since she had brought up that Natasha would have had a kid in her mind. So I think that could have been mentioned there. Yeah. Alexis? No, I was just going to say, I think... Like the the clap back to that joke was something that was ad libbed on set, right? We know now by Florence Pugh. So I think the fact that they put the line in there with really no follow up is kind of, you know, indicative of whether or not they would have really spent time following up on that plot point later. I don't think they really seem to care about it from a writing standpoint. Yeah. Um, were there other instances of like things being things being like not great in the script and they have to like work through it during production like weren't there other things like that i think the period joke is the main one i've heard of and the fact that the commentary on the hair flip superhero pose was also florence pews um but that was something they had put in the script because of her so basically mm. like the cool feminist stuff was from the female actress right. and not from the script <laughs> How many writers were there on this movie? How many credited writers? Hold on. Quick Google search. I I wish I was Google. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's the one thing where it's like, I am not an encyclopedia. Uh, so it's uh, Jack, Jack Schaefer, Ned Benson, and Eric Pearson. So one yes, lady and two yeah. dudes. And the lady is the director, right? Jack Schaefer. Uh, the director is... Oof. Oh, Kate Shortland. Kate Shortland. Yeah, Kate Shortland I was going to like, it's not Jack. Um, okay. What did Jack work on? What am I remembering her? Jack? Um, let's see. Did she do WandaVision? Yes. Okay. On this yes, one, though, she got the story by credit, and there was there were articles at the time that it had been taken from her and rewritten. Hmm. So that they were basically uh, giving her the story by credit for like trying, but that they took it and rewrote it. And like part of that conversation was that it had been written to be more of an origin story and Kevin Feige wanted it to be more of a family drama. So when they rewrote the script, they were trying to make it more of a family drama and take out some of those origin pieces. Uh, we have Sylvan Fox in the comments. Uh, Sylvan says, Florence Pugh is known for having lines ad-libbed in last minute that happened in Little Women as well. Uh, she has great instincts, is, is what Sylvan says. Um, did Florence Pugh ad-lib about hysterectomies in Little Women? No. <laughs> I'm joking. It's like, what? That would have been a shocker. Um, uh, I, I didn't know that you could ad lib. I uh, okay. I've n I never I never saw Little Women. Have either of you seen Little Women? Like the Florence Pugh one, the new one? I haven't, no. I have not. Mm. Um 
and I haven't seen it either. But uh, I didn't know that she's known for ad-libbing, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvan says, no, she has a monologue about money and marriage. Now marriage oh. is an economic proposal. I've seen a clip of it, but I haven't seen the whole movie. So she ad-libbed that? That was pretty yeah. dope if she did. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I did like that monologue. Because I saw like a clip of it during like a Watch Mojo video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how come Alexi seemed like a different person in those first ten minutes than he did later? Like he's he seemed like a scientist type character in that beginning part, right? Like he was working for Shield as like something, not an idiot, right? I feel like it may have been a time thing because he spent a lot of time in prison. Like, he spent a lot of time in prison, so I feel like he may have gone a little bit wacky after that. Because he did seem right. a little bit more clean-cut in the first beginning parts, but then 21 years passed. And he right. was spending his days breaking people's arms, uh, doing arm wrestling. And, right. like, reminiscing about his glory days and playing with, like, whatever people sent him in the mail. So I yeah. think he may have gotten a little bit in his own head after, like, o- over two decades of just kind of being in prison. <laughs> Um, yeah, but he did seem a little bit more like sharp before that. Now he's a little bit more like kind of bumbling, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> a little bit more bumbling, you know. Um, Amanda, do you know? Do you do you know the black comic or black the Black Widow comics uh, at all? So I'm like an MCU person. I know that gets a lot of people mad. I am very much a movie and TV show person. Yeah, and um. I, I will know of some things, especially since a lot of my mutuals are very comic oriented. So I'll watch their videos on comics and I'll watch like kind of um, like rundowns of like where certain things came from in comics. However, like as far as reading comics, I'm much more of like an MCU person. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's, and that's, that's almost better because sometimes when I go in, Alexis, were you going to say it? This is, it, it's it's almost better because like I go into like watching these things and I'm like I know exactly what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I know the comics. They're gonna stick to the comics. They don't, and things are different for better or for worse. Um, and uh, uh, it's wild how like it's almost detrimental getting stuck to the comics in a way. Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say is uh, Alexis, mm-hmm. like Alexis has to know Ursa, Ursa Major. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what 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 were your thoughts of that like random just name, like? I think it was just like character. a cute Easter egg. I think yeah. Ursa Major is one of those characters that like honestly nobody really cared about until recently. I feel like Ursa Major is kind of a joke until you get to Tales of Suspense, Hawkeye, and Winter Soldier, and then he has more of a personality and he's more lovable and very cute and you know. But I just thought it was like a fun, fun Easter egg. He's a he's a bear man. He's uh he's a he's a man bear. He's uh he's uh I I uh he's almost exactly like that one Russian movie that came out like a little bit after Avengers did where they were like it's a Russian Avengers. Do you know what I'm talking about? There was like a Russian produced film. Uh uh you'd have to look it up. It it was it was like big uh and it was like four like Russian superheroes just doing like like stuff and one of them was a guy who could turn into a bear and had a gadling gun and then like one was like a speedster and like there was a couple of different people 
on the uh, on the thing. I forget what it was called. Mr. Plow is in the comments. Mr. Plow might know what I'm talking about. There was like a Russian Avengers esque movie. Huh, um, to look up. Yeah, uh, but essentially it had like a big bear guy, and it, that seemed a lot like Ursa Major. Well, um, and the bear in Russia is used in a lot of like folk stories, right? And it's a very like common animal used like a lot of times in like political campaigns. The bear comes up mm. because of the things the bear represents. So I think that's kind of where they came from with the idea of having a giant bear man. More recently, yeah. Ursa Major has just been a giant like bear with a man's personality, right? But he's just a big floppy bear. Right. Um, Talks. Mr. Plow says it was called Guardians. Oh, okay. That's just what it was called. It was called Guardians. It was a Russian-produced movie with, like, some, like, kind of cool special effects um, on it. But uh, Mr. Plow says, excellent preview, kind of boring movie. Okay, cool. So, there you go. Um, but, yes, Ursa Major is a big bear, which we didn't see. It was just a seven-foot-two guy. <laughs> and and uh, some are saying he's the first mutant in the MCU, technically. Even though we don't see him be a mutant, he is 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 a mutant in the comics. So he could so be later the, first the MCU mutants mutant. credit other people with mutants, but I guess he could be the first MCU mutant. Yes. Wait, what? What were you saying? I thought you were saying he was the first mutant in the comics, but he's there are other oh, mutants no. that are credited before him in the comics. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, but it was just a cool little cameo, um, and it, that didn't really matter that much. And I'm sorry for his arm. Or poor bear man. Or Ursa Major. It has no, you know. Yeah. I have a soft spot for um, Ursa Major. Do you? Yeah, well, I mean, he gave Natasha her memories back, so. Oh. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't, I, I didn't read that run, but. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, helps bring Natasha back from her death <laughs> by Hydra Cap. He's the reason we have her again. If, if you like Ursa Major, I don't recommend reading the most recent issue of Avengers. I'm sorry. Did you did you read it? No, I haven't. I've got it on my doc, but I haven't read it yet. Okay, I won't spoil anything. Um, uh, what do you what did you two think about Melina? We we're talking about Alexi. Easy to talk about Alexi. A little bit more nuance to talk about Melina. Uh, did we have did we have thoughts? Definite thoughts. Um, I think <laughs> I think the reason why there's more nuance when it comes to Melina is because she's been through it. You know what I mean? Like she's been through everything. She's had to go through everything. She's also been exploited. She's been like basically shaped into someone who is supposed to shape other people into what she is. And right. it's kind of like the cycle of abuse if you think about it that way. Where, like, it just keeps happening and happening and happening because nobody breaks it and nobody knows better. And I think that the reason why it makes Melina seem, like, a little more palatable than Alexi is because she had to firsthand go through everything that the both girls have gone through. And then after that, also be weaponized and also be have her skills and her knowledge used for pretty nefarious purposes. And I think, like, as, as far as, like, a lot of it's concerned, like, the pig scene had me on, like, the edge of my seat. And I was just like, oh, my God. Because you can just see how, like, far it had gone for her. Where, every, like, both Nat and um, Yelena were just like, um, 
can you please do something? Like, this is getting a little bit far. Like, we understand, we get it. Can you stop? And it took a second for her to be like, oh, well, okay, start breathing again. And that was I, a little bit more symbolic than I think people would like to think of it as because we can just see like the disconnect. We can see how Yelena and um, Nat have kind of broken out of this already. And Melina is still mentally there. And it takes a little bit longer and it takes um, her and Nat actually teaming up against the Red Room and actually like looking back at all these things and realizing, oh crap, like it's, it's not good. And it just dawns on her after there's just this horror, not, not just directed toward um, like what was going on, like toward her and they were horrified with her. And I was horrified with her. The audience was horrified with her. And I think that was like a turning point in her character where it was just like, oh shit, like I'm more in control than I think I am, you know? Yeah. Um, Sylvan Fox uh, says, I couldn't help but think how triggering that would have been for them knowing that that was them before they broke out. And that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Uh, Alexis? Yes. Um, No, I think... I mean, I agree. I hadn't really thought about Melina's character that deeply. I think the one thing I missed was that I wanted to see more of the conversation that led her into deciding to fight back against the Red Room. I think we we saw pieces of that, but there was so much more that I wanted to see there. And I think that character arc for her is particularly interesting because when we start the film, she's the one that doesn't want to go. And then we see how trapped she's gotten in this lifestyle, but we don't really get to dwell on the moment that she decides that she's had enough. And I would have liked to see more of, more of that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Yelena and uh, Florence Pugh. Um, I hate, uh, somebody, somebody wrote this quote, and it was really funny but kind of sad uh all things considered and that is if you uh what what's the quote i'm trying to i'm trying to remember the quote it's like if you want people to think that you're good at something don't have somebody standing next to you doing the same thing better and uh uh basically they were just saying like where i mean this is supposed to be scarlett johansson's movie but you have florence Pugh acting uh her butt off uh, I mean, is it is it general consensus to say that like Florence Pugh did an amazing job act acting wise in this? I think so. Better so more so than than Scarlett Johansson. I don't think necessarily hate- like better more. I think just more captivating. Like I felt like it was more so Yelena's story than it was Natasha's. If that makes any sense, like. Every single scene that Florence Pugh was in grabbed me. And I was sitting there and I listened, especially the scene where she was just like, don't say it wasn't real. It was true. You were my mother. Like you were the best part of my life, even if it wasn't real. And I felt that. I was just like, oh my God. Like I wasn't even paying attention to Scarlett. And that's the thing where it's just like, I think the mistake was, is like at the end of the day for a movie called Black Widow, it wasn't really about her. And I think, like it was good and bad in a way because we know Black Widow's fate. We know that she's going to die. We know that the end of her story is endgame. And so I do think it was 
smart, I guess, to kind of shift the um, the stakes and and shift um, the overall arcing plot to the widows and Yelena and like kind of pass the torch. However, it kind of circles back to well, why didn't we just why didn't we get something for Natasha before this? You know, I feel like this would have been a good finale trilogy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like this would have been the end of her trilogy. We should we should have had two movies before this, just like we got for Iron Man, just like we got for Cap, just like we got for Thor. We, this should have been her send off. It shouldn't have been the beginning. You know what I mean? And I think that's where it kind of like falls flat in a sense because yeah, of course we have to care about something else because we know that no matter what, Nat's gonna get out of this movie and she's gonna die later. So we can't be like, what's gonna happen to Nat? We know what's gonna happen to Nat. Right. We have to care about somebody else in order to care about the movie. But at the end of the day, why is it called Black Widow if at ultimately the end at the end of the movie it was about Yelena and it was about the widows? You know? Yeah. Uh, Alexis, do you have? I, I think there are there are two points that come up for me when I think about it, and one is that, and I've said this a lot, but one of my main issues with the film overall is that like what conceptually it should have been at its core and the way it's presented are often at odds. And I feel like taking a movie that's supposed to be a feminist, female-led superhero movie and putting us in the situation where we constantly have to compare the two women in the film is problematic. And we have to right. do that because we didn't get anything from her before. Um, and Alexi does it as well. We see Alexi several times say, well, like, you've killed the most people, but you took down dictatorships. You know, like, he's making comparisons between their abilities there. So as an audience member, I'm asked to make comparisons about their abilities. And as a woman, I don't want to watch a female superhero movie where I'm constantly having to compare the ability of the two female characters against one another. And it honestly raises questions about Natasha's competency up till this point, right? When you look at Yelena and you look at the fact that Yelena was there all along and Natasha didn't go back for her, it's kind of like looking at S.H.I.E.L.D. and realizing that Hydra has been growing in S.H.I.E.L.D. for like 40 years. How competent are they really if they haven't taken these, these basic you know, steps that you would take as a spy? I don't know why as a spy you don't go back and, and see what happened to your sister, you know? But, so I think that for me would kind of be the, the main, I think the other, the other thing that comes up for me is that Natasha really, like MCU's Natasha is a character that was created 10 years ago by men and Scarlett Johansson's acting is satisfying what that character was created to be. I think Yelena is a character that was created by women for now. And so she's also more compelling because Florence Pugh is acting to meet a character that was created for women now. And that's going to be more compelling to watch. And, yeah. and to kind of piggyback, sorry. <laughs> um, and to kind of piggyback off of that, when you say the competency issue, we saw Endgame, we saw Infinity War, the fact that she never, not once mentioned her whole ass family in Russia and it made it seem like she had no one and that's to me it's like okay so you just made you made it canon that she not only had a mother figure a father figure a sister you made that canon and in Infinity War and in, in Endgame she's crying over a sandwich mm -hmm. and she's not mentioning her sister who was dusted because Yelena was dusted 
Like that's the reason was why she? she looks so young. Because was she? Was she? She was. She was supposed to be like thirty-four, and she's like only twenty-nine still because she was dusted. It's canon that Yelena was dusted, and not once okay. did uh, Natasha mention that her sister was dead because of Thanos in Endgame. And she and lies about it, I right? So that. that raises questions too. It's like she's looked at these people and said, "Well, I don't have a family." Yeah. Like she's she's just like, oh, I ain't got nobody, but she does. She literally canonically has a whole family. And one of them, at least that we know of, was dead for five years. And not once did she mention the fact that she had found her sister. And then shortly after finding her sister, she was gone. You know how compelling that would have been for her to be like, I found my family again. And this fucker took her, took them away from me. Like, but no, we have her crying over a sandwich. Wait, like, when does she cry over a sandwich? When what am I missing? She's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and yeah. she just breaks down in tears. And there's the only oh. context that we have is that she's overwhelmed, maybe, or that she's upset about the half of the adventures being gone. But she not once mentions her family. Okay, and it's just like that—that's one thing that I thought about. Where I was like, so you made it canon that she had a family, and then you acted like she didn't, and then when she sacrifices herself. You made it sound like she was sacrificing herself for, because Clint had a family. And then you come back and tell me that she was a sister and a daughter. And now you're basically just deadening the fact that she was thrown out when she not only had one family, but she had two. She had the Avengers and she had her family. And they just completely, she, she threw herself off a cliff after that. Yeah. It, it, it that that's one thing where it's like okay if you connect it back then why did you make it sound like she had no one why did you make it look like she had no one and that that's one thing that got me really upset after watching the movie where it's like okay so this happened all before infinity war all before endgame right and you made it look like she had no one i i remember sitting there in endgame on that forum you're seeing not knowing who was gonna who was gonna die because it kept like Pulling the rug out, right? Mm-hmm. And they kept fighting over who was going to die. I knew who I wanted. <laughs> and I did not get what I wanted. And uh, still to this day, I'm like, Clint should have died. Everything that Clint does, which is nothing up until this point, Clint training Kate Bishop could have been Black Widow. Like, <laughs> Black Widow... How much cooler would it have been if Black Widow trained Kate Bishop and uh, uh, maybe maybe Swordmaster or something in the comics like comes in and, and trains her with a bow or something? Because I think Swordmaster trained Clint in the comics, right? Um, and so, but the point being is that like, we don't need Jeremy Renner. Like, <laughs> who's, a- who's asking? Who's asking for more Jeremy Renner? I don't think anyone's asking for more Jeremy Renner. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, wait, what'd you say? You could re- you could replace him with a lamp and I would not tell the difference. Right. Like, right. I'm so sorry. I forget that he's an Avenger every time. Right. Right. And like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like Jeremy Renner didn't, nobody's asking for Jeremy Renner. Nobody. But like female fans are asking for better, like female portrayal for Black Widow to be better, for all these things, like, 
why not listen to the like you're not gonna lose any money by killing off Jeremy Renner, but you have uh, essentially cut off a character and her revenue. If you want to just think about it like monetarily speaking, you've cut off a character and all the revenue that Scarlett Johansson can make by killing her off. Like Jeremy, like I'm is, this is, I'm, is Feige his his best friend? He's like, I gotta give Jeremy Renner a job. Like uh, it's either this or like Jeremy Renner's gonna go back to real estate and he house flips and he has like a band like that has like a song or something and then he had like a jeremy renner app there was like a jeremy renner app that's all jeremy I know. renner what, app and there's been is, several co there, there's been several solo albums since COVID. like he's done there's oh. been a lot of music been a lot yeah. of jeremy renner music Oof. that's that's a lot of jeremy <laughs> renner nobody's asking for this yeah um, Mr. Plow says sarcastically, because uh, I know, I know Paul, he says, got to put those girlfriends in refrigerators to print that money. And essentially Frigin, Frigin, uh, uh, Natasha there to serve whose purpose? To make sure that all the boys cry and throw a chair. And then like, that's all we get. To give Clint a whole last show. Here's the thing. Even yeah. if ScarJo was done with being Natasha, even if she was done, why is everyone's first course of action to kill a bitch? Like, <laughs> why is everyone's first course of action to yeet someone off a cliff? What happened yeah. to just retiring? What happened to being like, right. man, I'm done with this. I'm going to be a consultant. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fuck off in the mountains. Like, why, what, why do they have to die? Why, why is there absolutely no chance for them to return, which there should be because, you know, multiverse. But, like, I don't want to hear any excuses, Marvel. But that, that's one thing where it's like, why do people, why, why is everyone's first instinct to kill off a character that is no longer useful? Why can't they just go? Like, why can't they just go away? And then if they right. meet them again, oh, what happened? I rang up Natasha. She said to do this. That's all you have to do. You don't have to pay Scarlett Johansson another dime if you don't want to. Why did you have to kill her? For what? Literally, what? you could have given her the same plot you gave Jeremy Renner four movies earlier. Exactly. Like, I'm going to go off and find my family. I'm retiring. Give yeah, me a I'm, call I'm a when the next Civil War breaks out. I'm going to go yeah. to Molina with the pigs, and I'm going to become a pig farmer. <laughs> like, you could have just <laughs> restore a farmhouse, do the whole thing. Like, homegirl yeah. could have just become a milkmaid, and I would have been fine with it. Like... Why do they? Ha- why they have to? Because at the end yeah. of the day, too, it just reinforces the whole. Well, well, Hawkeye was more important because he had kids. I don't care. Like I don't care. I call me heartless. I really don't care. Like I don't care. <laughs> Linda Cardellini right. deserves better than this. I don't care. Like I mean, Hook, Hook Natasha. And their life has he been? Like right. he's not been there for much of it. So exactly. like, yeah. Does it affect the kids that he's gone? I'm not sure that it does. Yeah, uh, I was I was gonna say let let Natasha be be their daddy. Like let <gasps> Linda Cardellini and and Natasha get together. I'm so bright right now. Oh my god, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Sylvan Sylvan Fox in the comments says which uh, Scarjo made it sound like she didn't want to be done. She said she was surprised when she got the call that it was her. Uh, so I guess that settles that. I was thinking to myself, like, sometimes actors want to get done with their contracts. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, you know, that's why, like, there's a lot of big name actors that won't sign up for the MCU or will only sign up in a small, small things like Owen Wilson, 
I'm sure Owen Wilson wants to do his Wes Anderson movies. He doesn't want to be a Marvel hero and just have to ride that train for 15 years. And like, which I can get, but like if Scarlett Johansson didn't ask to be out, why are we throwing her off a cliff? Also something that I I've realized over time, uh, Tony gets a pretty like, like, uh, hurrah type Mm -hmm. ending, you know, and he gets a funeral and Gamora and Scarlett Johansson not only get thrown off cliffs, you get to see them at the bottom, yeah. right? Don't you traumatically see two of those female, very strong female characters hit bottom? Like, that's horrible, right? And then barely even like, focusing on their pain and focusing on the pain of their male partners. Like, right. It is frigid. Paul, mm-hmm. Paul's right. Everybody's right. It's frigid. We're going to further the purpose, like, oh, I'm a man, and, like, I'm going to be better now that my woman is dead. I don't know. It's just this... uh, It's unfortunate. Very horrible. And it's not an accident, right? Uh-uh. It's not an accident. It's, 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 it's not an accident why, like, Black Panther was in Phase 3, and Captain Marvel was in Phase 3, and, like, we went through two whole phases of white male protagonists getting multiple movies. And, and like, Avengers 2, like, uh, the way I say it is, like, Avengers 2, uh, uh, Avengers put a green guy and a purple guy on the team before a black or a brown guy. Like, like we go through two whole Avengers movies with without uh, any uh, people of color on the team whatsoever. And uh, it's not an accident. It's, you know? And here's the thing, too. It's like, even if it is a quote-unquote accident, like, it's not. It's just an inherent bias that people have. And nobody wants to think that they're a crappy person. Nobody wants to think, like, they're like, oh, I'm not I'm not the racism. I'm not, like, it's not me. I, I didn't do anything. I'm just doing what I... Here's the thing. Why are they, the, why are they always your first option? Why is a Captain America and a Tony Stark and a Thor always your first option? Nobody... Let's be completely honest. Nobody gave a shit about Thor before the MCU. Nobody did. No. And they still plucked out Thor. Before, right. Uh, before Black Widow, before anybody else got a solo movie. Like, why? You literally, right. at this point, you're sifting through things to not get to, honestly, just representing the heroes that you've already been presented. And that's just the frustrating thing. And I'm so sorry that my lighting is so awful. The sun decided to hit me right now. What changed? Um, what, what changed? Like, so, like your cat pulled the blinds the off? No, the sun <laughs> is just Oh, like, okay. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Um, or not your cat, your dog, I mean. Wait, you have a, just a dog, right? Just a dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alexis, do you have any frustration? I mean, yeah, I'm frustrated, but I think Amanda said it pretty well. I remember yeah. there was an there was an interview with the Russos where they were asked how they picked what from the comics they put in the films. And they both kind of answered and said, well, we just look for whatever inspires us. And I think that's the issue. I think when you have two white men choosing what goes in a multi-billion dollar franchise and they just pick what inspires them, that's kind of the issue. There was nobody else in the room to be inspired by anything different. And I think that's the issue Marvel's had for a long time. I know Neil always says there were 10 movies led by a white guy named Chris before they decided to do anything different, you know? And that's 
pretty much. I, and I think right. that's the reason now that Marvel is still missing the mark with its female-led properties or its more diverse properties. So while everybody else put the training wheels as to how to write those stories, they put those training wheels on 10 years ago, Marvel is doing it now, right? And they're they're wanting credit and they're wanting accolades for things like, you know, dropping that Loki is by now when yeah. that is no longer impressive. And then doing nothing about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um where uh what were the big things you guys liked about the movie? Uh I like the action scenes. The action scenes were cool. I didn't feel like we got enough of them. I think. I'm trying to think now. Uh, a lot of the cuts in the action scenes on this one. Oh, were, were there a lot of cuts? Um, it reminds me of like in Taken Three, and I haven't seen Taken Three, but there's there is a clip I've seen where it's like seventy five cuts, all of Liam Neeson trying to jump over a fence, and it's just like cut, 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 cut. Like it's just like ah, from all these things. It's like you know he can jump over the fence in one go. Like let's just splice everything together. It's ridiculous if you if you look it up, you can find it, but um. Uh, uh, I mean, it was very Jason Bourne, right? Wasn't like a lot of the action kind of like Bourne-esque? The issue that I had with some of the action was that it also put Natasha in a place of incompetency because over the, the course of the MCU, Natasha has been known for her adaptability and we see that adaptability consistently in her fight style in the films, right? She's one that typically adapts her fighting style not only to match her ability and her stature, but to match who she's fighting against. And so to have Taskmaster as one of the villains who is consistently changing their fight style to mirror people Natasha has fought with and thus should know how to respond to fighting against, not to see her adapt her fight style at all was pretty problematic. I mean, I love the action between she and Yelena and I love some more, some of the more Bourne-esque action in the film but to me that stood out like you're looking at him at, at taskmaster as he's fighting you like the winter soldier and you don't know how to respond you're looking at taskmaster as he's fighting you like hawkeye who trained you in shield and you don't know how to respond the man is throwing a shield at you you know how to use that shield you fought with that shield and you have no reaction except to look at it right puts natasha in kind of this weird weird place that i didn't like so that stood out to me from the, from an action perspective yeah. Um, I, I said it before in like one of like my brief um, reviews about the movie um, that the fighting kind of reminded me of Atomic Blonde where it was like tactical but also like impactful and like it wasn't just like eh, eh, kind of fighting. It was like you felt it and it was more raw, I guess, like more gritty and less like tactical, if that makes any sense. Like you heard all like the like when Yelena like screamed and smacked her with a plate, I was like, oh god! <laughs> like it got like it got dirty, and I do appreciate that where it kind of did show like a little bit of a like less less clean cut method of mm -hmm. fighting. However, I do think about it in the way of like they are assassins, you know. Like, they're trained assassins that were literally doing synchronized, like, gun shit in, like, one scene. And it, at times it felt a little sloppy, if that makes any sense. 
Like I, I was literally just watching them do synchronized like poses in like all at the same time in unison. And I feel like it would have been a little bit more like as much as I liked seeing how like sloppy it could get at the same time. I'm like, but why are y'all sloppy? You know, like, why are you sloppy? Because and it, even then people are like, well, even be like, oh, they're fighting each other. They're sisters. They're not actually trying to hurt. They were trying to hurt each other. Like they were, they yeah. literally had to tell each other to stop because they would have choked each other out. And yeah. I think at, I think at some point that they kind of forget who the characters are. Like, again, this is Natasha, a super spy. She was trained in her red room. She could do things in unison. Like Alexa said, she can copy people. She can mimic fighting styles. Why are y'all just like going ham and throwing plates and shit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it kind of, it, it was fun and it was cool and I enjoyed it. However, at the same time, I was like, is this Natasha though? Like, is this, is this Natasha fighting? Like, it, it felt yeah. a little bit off. Um, let's talk about Taskmaster. Uh, Alexis is correct. Like, it would have been nice to see Natasha almost try to keep up with Taskmaster as far as switching styles, to find styles that worked, but she kind of hit it with the same style. But separate than that, the Taskmaster reveal uh, at the end that it is Olga Kurlienko's... uh, uh, She's the character. Uh, Her name is in the credits in the beginning, um, which I thought was not great. A lot of people said they they were, they knew who Taskmaster was just by seeing her name in the credits and not seeing her throughout the movie. And so um, what, what, what did we, what did you two think of the reveal that it was, it was uh, Drakov's daughter that, she was being forced to do these things and it was all mechanical like camera like visor stuff i i think it was i i kind of expected it at a point especially when i heard like dead daughter and like like you got your mind just kind of goes there immediately especially if you've seen enough movies and you've known enough twists where you're just kind of like okay i feel like this is where this is headed and then you're kind of validated in that point, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Like, I do think that setups and payoffs are a good thing, if that makes any sense. Like, it's not fun when things come out of completely left field where it's like, okay, it's apparent that the writer just pulled that out of their ass. Or if something is, like, too blatantly obvious. But I feel like where it kind of got blatantly obvious, especially when we saw the flashback, and I was just like, okay, I've seen enough explosions to know that not everybody dies in an explosion in a movie. <laughs> yeah. like, that's just where your mind goes. And I do think it was impactful because it kind of shows that he will stop at nothing, you know? Like, where it's like he will even use his own kid who's already suffered enough. And I do think that that was, like, it, it did kind of stay consistent with the theme of the movie. However, as far as it being, like, a big twist, I don't think it was that big of a twist, you know what I mean? Like, not that big of a twist. Should it have been bigger? Not necessarily. I don't think not. I don't think every single movie needs a giant twist. You know, like I think people have gotten too comfy with like being the crazy conspiracy theorist, if that makes any sense. And they're looking for like this giant, humongous thing that's going to blow their socks off. But not everything has to do that to be impactful. You know what I mean? Like just kind of seeing it was confirmed, and just kind of seeing like, wow, your kid went through that, and you still were that much of like a piece of garbage to not help her recover but to turn her into a weapon like 
that the point was made already. And I think that was the point. I don't think it had to be like, oh, oh, oh it was Agatha all along. Like, it didn't, I don't think we needed that, you know? Uh, not, right. not for this movie, at, at least. Yeah. Alexis, do yeah, you have I any mean, thoughts on the reveal? I pretty much feel the same way. I don't think it was surprising, but I didn't think it needed to be. And I, I think what is scary about Taskmaster is that she's a daughter whose father decided to keep her silent so he could continue to abuse her. And I think when you look at it that way, that even the way she is mimicking, even though that's something that the Taskmaster does, that you can read into that and say, well, this is a woman who is mimicking the world around her because she doesn't know how to be a part of it anymore because of the trauma she's endured. And I think that's all really interesting. I do wish they would have leaned into that a little bit more because I think that idea got really lost in kind of the other stuff that was happening in the movie and the way that we see, you know, Taskmaster... Like, in the beginning of the movie, to me, Taskmaster was very much like a cyborg putty. Like, if you took a putty from the Power Rangers and made it a cyborg, like, that was Taskmaster. And I wish yeah. there, there would have been kind of some sort of way to, even early on, to kind of, like, lean into the theme of Taskmaster, who is this woman that is forced to remain silent. Um, yeah, sorry. Amanda? And the fact that they barely touched on the fact that she was sentient, like, she... She was aware. That's like the horrifying part is that even if she was being controlled, she was aware. Like everything that she did was consciously outside of her control. It's not like they wiped her memory. It's not like she woke up from a trance. She knew what she was doing and she couldn't stop. And that's like a theme of like just complete loss of autonomy where you know this horrible thing is happening to you and that's another thing too it's like I, I i said this before too where it's just like this movie had heavy themes of like bodily autonomy and like a woman's right to choose what to do with her own body and that was like one of the main things where it's like you literally just left us with the fact that she knew because she she said it's like is he gone and so that's how you know that she was conscious that she knew what was going on and that they only touched on that once and I'm just like, so you mean to tell me that this poor woman lived decades of her life being used and abused and knew what was going on the whole time and she couldn't stop it. That's fridge horror. That is horrifying. And they just touched upon it once. Mm -hmm. And it, that's, that's another thing where I felt like the movie fell a little bit flat where like even a, a quick scene of like, because we saw her with her helmet off even a quick scene of just like tears welling in her eyes or her like looking like in her eyes, like I don't want to do this. Like that would have shown us something, mm -hmm. uh, uh, anything. And then when we finally see her relieved that she's no longer under control, it would have hit harder. Cause at first I was just like, you need to tell me she knew and she couldn't stop. Like that's awful. And they just, they had all the building blocks there and I feel like they just didn't build the freaking castle, you know? Like, ugh. Uh, were were we talking about in the beginning that like Marvel seems to be aiming for everybody at once? Was that during the show? Anyway, um, the fact like they don't go too, they won't go a hundred percent into like pointing the fingers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh. Like Mr. Plow brought a big Harvey Weinstein analogy and with 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 Drakov, which people have been pointing out. But like 
these are real traumas that people face and uh, chalking it up to just kind of superhero antics sometimes uh, devalues the actual trauma. Um, yeah, that's all I have as far as that. Um, I was also, I, I didn't know whether using that, 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 red dust thing on um, Taskmaster would actually stop her from trying to kill uh, Black Widow. Like, I wasn't sure if there was actual hate there either. Like, or whether that, like, whether that was all. But the fact is, like, all those Widows' autonomy got taken. And obviously, we see with Alexi and the Red Room's training, or uh, treatment of Alexi, is that it isn't just the Red Room horribly taking the autonomy from everybody. Like, sure, Alexi got thrown in the gulag, but, like, their treatment of Alexi, so much different than their treatment of the widows. And of Melina, who was a widow, but then ended up just being, like, I mean, she, what, used to be a widow and then became, like, more of the, the like, the engineer the afterwards, the architect, uh, 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 you know, uh, she, um, like, Alexi wasn't treated as badly, or at least, yeah, wasn't treated as badly. I think it's easy to say. Um, uh, Sylvan says that Drakov reminds her of Umbridge and that they're both evils that people face in real life, which makes them more terrifying than the stereotypical superhero villain. You know? I mean, I mean, Do we have any I, more? I can see that, especially with like, because especially the opening scene, like there are certain times in the movie, I left the movie with a headache. <laughs> I left the movie, my my eyebrows were like completely tensed up and I left the movie and I had eaten a whole thing of popcorn and I had the worst headache of my life when I left that movie. And normally when I leave a movie, I feel exhilarated. But when I left this one, I was just like, because as a woman and as someone who's grown up in the US and as somebody who has to watch the news, and see that there are people out there who don't even know me who are trying to make decisions for me that like the intro the way that they talked about what happened to their bodies the way that Drakov said oh like the most like here's the most like girls are the most resource that we have in the world a resource a thing not even human something that they can use and the fact that there are people out there real life people who walk by me every day who think that way and it just kind of made me think of like the actual real life horror of the fact that this happens to women. This happens to women. And there are so many people that don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit that these horrible things aren't just a story. These are things that are happening right now, today. People are passing laws to make sure that this happens to us. And I think what happens when you try to write something but then not go all the way, because I, Writers and producers and filmmakers and people, they're employees. You have to think about it that way. And they don't want to alienate their audience. They don't want the men to go in there and be like, oh my God, I'm so offended. It's not me. Not all men do that. It's like, they don't want to be, they don't want to hurt their demographic, you know? But for someone who has to live this reality, it's so much more. When you watch this, you realize the horror. And then you also realize that the people behind making it still did not want to point fingers and 
it's disheartening because at the end of the day, it's like, you know what's happening. You know what's going on. And you still don't want anyone to take responsibility for it. And it's still horrifying because at the end of the day, it's like you can go home and you can go to sleep and you can be content to know that this will never happen to you. But it could very well happen to me. It could very well happen to my best friend. It could very well happen to any woman that I know. And at the end of the day, that's not going to happen to that white guy named Chris. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, but, and I think at the end of the day where people don't really realize it, it's like, this isn't your reality. This is mine. And it's just, it's scary and it's sad because you still watch these things. It's like, you know what's happening. You have the knowledge, you have all the points, you have the building blocks and you still won't build the castle. <laughs> and it hurts. Yeah. And I actually think that's part of the reason that for me, the red dust was an issue because we get one line from Yelena earlier that when, as after she, smelled the dust and was no longer brainwashed she wasn't sure who she had been right she was struggling with that but it's one line and so what we actually see is all of these girls around the world who have been essentially sexually trafficked and all of these women in the red room who have undergone all of these horrors smell this gas and they are fine they are hunky-dory and they ride in to save the day and they help their other widows they don't freeze from fear and confusion. They don't run off. They don't decide not to fight the battle because they don't want to get hurt again. They all fly in there, right? And we give Yelena this, this quest to go around the world and help all those women because essentially what is happening is a bunch of women who were sexually trafficked, who don't have papers or birth certificates or marketable life skills are now left out in the cold all around the world. And that's supposed to be our win as if that's not going to put them into a situation where they get sexually exploited again. And we, we look at Yelena and we say, well, that will be your quest to solve. You can go around the world and you can fix it all for them. And then we snap her and then we say, now you're gonna go after Hawkeye because this is apparently the more important story. Actually looking at the trauma that these women endured and how lifelong that is and how difficult it is going to be for them to come back from that and to move forward with their lives, we decide that Jeremy Renner is a more interesting option. Again. Again, yeah. <laughs> a dumbass revenge plot, again. And like, no, Mr. Directors and producers and filmmakers, fairy dust will not fix this problem. Like, that, that's the biggest thing where it's like blowing some dust into a girl's face isn't gonna undo decades worth of trauma, Jeremy. <laughs> like, it's, it, it, I, 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 they simplified the issue. That's what they did. They simplified the issue. And when you, like, just like you said, like they have no papers, they have no home. They are going to realize that their autonomy, everything was taken away from them. Their names, their bodies, their families, their mothers, their fathers, any siblings they may have had, their reproductive organs so that they can't even make a choice for themselves what they want for their own body. And you're just going to say that <laughs> we fixed it. <laughs> here you go be free like no no be free like no no like no <laughs> no um and like again that's one of those things where it's like you watch the movie you have a great time and you really reflect on it and you're like wait actually though <laughs> yeah yeah um uh what would you two do do 
different with the movie had you had creative choices uh given the parameters that were already in play black widow is going to die uh uh it is being made now i guess you still have like the whole covid shift and whatever um uh how would you have done the movie differently ideas even doesn't have to be a start to end sort of play by play i don't need a a, a log line and a synopsis and a, a treatment a whole treatment for the script but um what changes needed to be made could segue into this better because she's more um versed in the comics so like since you do know more about comic black widow as well as mcu black widow i think like sprinkle the actual valuable fairy dust (laughs) (laughs) valuable fairy dust um i don't for me alexi was an issue i'm not sure i would have treated alexi in the same way if i were to do were to do it i remember the stuff in the plane where he's just consistently gaslighting them made me so uncomfortable I wanted to leave. And I feel like if you make his character less important, then you have more room to tell the parts of the story that matter. Um, I think using and updating the 2004-2005 miniseries in the way that they did and having her break her own nose, like all of that stuff is really interesting. And I I love that they did that, but I would have liked more after that um, to kind of, after this battle to wrap up the story. So I think maybe moving that earlier so that you can actually deal with the trauma and how they're going to fix, you know, the trauma that all these girls have been through, how they're going to address that. Um, somebody had pointed out that in one of kind of the title title credit things that there's, you know, Bill Clinton is in the background. And it's this kind of really interesting idea of the role these women have played in history. And it's something that the comics touch on, but never really go far enough in for me either. But I think it would have been nice to see more or interesting to see more of that as well, to really drive home this idea that like politicians are constantly making decisions about women's bodies and constantly using and abusing women and getting away with it. Um, It would have been interesting to see the widows put in some of those situations. Um, and to kind of drive that larger point home. I think some of that gets missed as well. I think you start forgetting about the fact that Drakov in a lot of ways is a political figure that's doing that to these women, so. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of like what I would change because there's a whole retooling of everything that I think that I would do things different, but it sucks having to stick within the parameters because I think the general the general thing we all agree is like it should have happened first or like uh, a long time ago and this should like we should add multiple Black Widow movies. That's going to be my second question. How would we have paced out that Marvel Cinematic Universe from the get go to allow for better uh, uh, just better decisions overall? Um, but Amanda, do you have any changes that you would have like changes that are so easy? Like why? Didn't they just do it this way? Like, there's, I think there's a good amount of stuff in this movie where it's like, why did we make this choice? You know? Uh, again, Alexi is a, is a big problem with that. Um, uh, also, I mean, the Taskmaster reveal to me could have been done the same way, but better? 
Also, is a it was a male stuntman. I, I just I just saw it was a male stuntman in the Taskmaster suit. Um, and I wish that it was a female stuntwoman with the padding to make her look male to kind of get that. I just feel like it would move like the character would move differently. Uh, mm. uh, and and because I think it's just easy to be like, oh, it's been this male body this whole time. Take off the mask. It's Olga's face. And then great. She puts the mask back on. It's a male stuntman. Like, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, yeah. But Amanda, do you have any? I think one thing that would have helped the movie a little bit, because there's one thing I keep thinking about the word pacing, just pacing, 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 pacing. Cause there were some parts where it, I, they were valuable parts, but they also dragged a little bit. And one scene that I can think about in particular, which I loved, one of my favorite parts of the movie comes from the scene, but when they were at the farm and they were with Melina and they were around the table and I felt like that took a little, the, the tone and also the pacing of the scene was a little bit awful. Like just something was off. Cause it went from kind of like, don't slouch your shoulders. Ha ha. We're flirting with each other after 20 years. Ha ha. And then all of a sudden Florence Pugh was just like, everything's a lie. And I'm like, okay, something happened there. Something shifted there and it wasn't quite as seamless as it could have been. You know what I mean? And it just felt a little bit like it, I don't know. I don't know how that, because again, some of my favorite parts of the movie were during that. And I feel like the reason why they didn't get rid of that part is because they had some really impactful moments, such as um, when as much as he annoys me, um, like Alexi is singing to Florence Pugh and they're singing American Pie together to kind of be like, hey, as as horrible as I was, I did pay attention to what you liked. (laughs) Like, and just the fact it ended with the um, um, after he said this will be the day that I die and it goes Psh! I think that was a really cool shot like it was cool shots and cool scenes and cool dialogue all mashed into this one part that was a little bit too long if that makes any sense like I feel like they could have placed some of the parts of dialogue or some of the parts of this scene in different parts of the movie and had it make just as much sense if that makes any sense instead of trying to have them sit down and have this roundtable discussion of how everything is really messed up (laughs) it kind of slowed everything down in something that was otherwise like an action movie if that makes any sense um but or I could be wrong but um another thing too that kind of um, they could have lingered on a little bit more was the shield thing. Like <laughs> they were, they were after Natasha, they were cornering Natasha and that's kind of a big deal. We didn't get to see what happened to Natasha and Cap and everybody that after like that whole thing during civil war went down. So I think they could have afforded mm. to linger on that a little bit more because that's yeah. kind of the kickoff of why this movie happened. And they just, I feel there was a couple of things that they could have like either elongated and cut short. And I feel like the movie would have had the same punch and just made a little bit more sense pacing wise. And that's just something that kind of like got me where I was like, okay, are they going to wrap the scene up? Because I feel like the scene's been going on for a very long time. And I'm going to probably have to watch it again. I haven't watched it again since I watched it last week. But if I watch it again pretty soon when I don't have to pay $30, um, I'll kind of reevaluate how I feel. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know, I, I would have done something different with O.T. Fagbenle. 
he played Mason and he barely did anything in the movie. And I don't know what the whole point was other than the rumor that I heard is that he had a, a bed scene with Scarlett and they cut that. And if that is true, if that's true, it makes sense given Hollywood's um, Hollywood's views in the past of uh, 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 nobody can take our white women away from us type mentality that white Hollywood loves to do. Like, for example, like supposedly in the movie Hitch, uh, it was supposed to be Will Smith and Cameron Diaz as his love interest. And then they were like, no, we can't pair Cameron Diaz. We can't pair a white woman with a black man. We're not going to do it. So we're going to take Eva Mendez, who essentially created like her whole career hinges that she can be with white men in movies and black men in different movies. Like that's her whole love interest career, uh, Eva Mendez. But uh, it makes sense in a horrible way. I don't agree with it, but it makes sense that they cut that scene out. And it does not surprise me. That's what I mean by it makes sense. It does not surprise me. They cut that scene out. Uh, if that indeed was a thing where they were in bed together and uh, yeah, of course they would think that that would be expendable. Um, I just thought, I, I don't know. I don't feel like the character did much at all. And I wish he did. Cause he seems very likable. I've been hoping we'd see him again. Um, Especially with the stuff spinning Yelena off to do more things. I think it would be really cool to see her get in contact with him or find out that she had had contact with him in some way. Because I think he's, I mean, he was a, I liked him as a character. I didn't think he really added much to this movie in particular, but I liked that he was there. You know what I mean? He didn't bother me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he shows up more. Um, There is one plot theory slash change that I would have done but I don't know and I'm trying it's a theory that I had earlier and that's that Taskmaster showed up in Budapest but it was Clint as Taskmaster so kind of a Ronin there's a thing in the comics with Ronin there's a thing in the Ultimate Avengers or Ultimate Comics which I hated that comic where like one character is disguised as another character uh, and if you had Clint be the first Taskmaster when they first meet up, her uh, Black Widow and and Clint, and then when Taskmaster shows up later, she thinks it's Clint, but it's not, and it's someone you know new. Uh, I don't know. There that was, was a, just an idea that there I had. was a fan. No, I'm not so much a fan theory as a fan want. There were a lot of people that wanted it to be Bucky or a clone of Bucky to tie that into her story, since he's so integral mm. in her training in the comics that we see a flashback with her working with the taskmaster earlier and it's him. Um, so, I mean, that kind of, to your point, but that would have been interesting as well. I think that tells a different story. Yeah. I think in this story, it's important that taskmaster is a daughter without a voice, but. Right. Would it made a difference if it, it was a son, if Drakov's son was, went through the same program. So it was a male character. Let's just say it was a male character instead of female character, like those angry fanboys on the internet love to be like you took my favorite character from me and it's like was taskmaster your favorite character like that's the hill you want to die on <laughs> taskmaster is cool but like what i don't know 
I mean, I think it's it comes down to an issue of how the movie, how little the movie lingered on Taskmaster as well. But like, as Amanda said earlier, there's a specific type of relationship that you look for with a father and a daughter, right? And I think it's more impactful in a certain way that it was his daughter because of the preconceived notions we have about the relationships that fathers and daughters should have. And I think there is a certain comparison and should have been more, there should have been more comparison and less contrast between Drakoff's relationship with his daughter and Alexi's relationship with the girls. That these should really have both been fathers that made terrible decisions about their daughters and should not have been forgiven for it. I think we walk the line of forgiving Alexi a little more than I was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's another reason it's important that it's a daughter rather than a son. How heartbreaking would it be if Melina and Alexi go off and they become parents to these, these widows that they have just saved? Better parents than they were with, I guess the only person left now is Yelena. If Yelena sees them be even better parents than they were to her with these new widows, how much would that hurt? Because I feel like that would hurt, right? Like if your parent gets married again and like goes off and has another, like you have a half sibling where it's like now they love them more than you, or at least it seems that way. I just thought of that. Uh, I feel like I, that would suck. I feel like in a sense... Because, like, you have to think about it this way, where it's, like, Natasha and Yelena were children when they were under the care of Alexi and Melina. These are grown women. I don't think grown women who have already had their autonomy stripped away and their choices stripped away and their, like... Because we even have, like, inklings of this with Yelena, where it's, like, the first thing... This is the first thing I bought for myself. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, the first thing that I got for myself. I think a lot of them would find more comfort in each other and more comfort mm. in themselves and trying to figure out who they are rather than go to the the custody and care of the people who put them there, you know? And I feel like the whole like parenting things, like how, I, I don't think grown women are going to take very kindly to the people who oppressed you being like, okay, let's play house now. Like, no, yeah. that, that's exactly what it would be if you playing house. And I think it'd be more impactful for these women to, like, go forward together and go forward in their journey of self-discovery and what it means for them to be themselves and alive after this horrible traumatic thing that has happened to them and what they are going to choose for themselves rather than be under the care of someone else. And that's kind of more impactful as far as the conversation of autonomy goes and as far as the conversation of like the choice goes because I would it, personally, I would not choose to go with the people who did that to me. I would not, I'd be like, heck you. I am doing, <laughs> I'm buying my best with pockets. Damn it. Like I am, yeah. I am piercing my ears and doing my eyeliner and buying my best with pockets. And I will continue to do whatever I want after that. And I, I don't need you or anyone else to tell me what to do. And the only people that I would want in my circle at least during recovery would be the ones that went through it with me. And I would not, I would not invite the people who did that to me <laughs> back into right. my life. I would want to get as far away from them as possible. So where do you see Alexi going? Does he clean up his act? Does he try to become more like Captain America in a way? 
Does he clean himself up and try to be the Red Guardian? I know it's not Alexi's story. I'm just saying, because they were they were hinted to continue. Melina and Alexi were hinted, or at least uh, in, a, in an article, that they could pop up later. Not, I don't think Alexi would ever clean up his act. <laughs> like, truly clean up his act. I, I think he's far past the threshold of being able to become a hero. Because when we look at it, too, in, like, the grand scheme of things, Melina and Alexi are well past like the time of the current widows as even including natasha and um yelena and they were still at a time at a point where they could turn their lives around i think after a certain point you're kind of set in what you've done i don't think you're gonna be cleaning your life up at 50 something you know like at 50 something like you're you're alexi that's what you've done that is the the thing that you've paid and the only thing that you can do at this point is try not to do that shit again and that's just, that's all you can really do. And as far as Natasha, where she had the whole clearing the red in her ledger thing, where it's like, you had the time to do that. You had over a decade to be able to do that. You were in your 20s when you were recruited by the Avengers. You had that time. You had that development. You had that chance. Past a certain point, like, you're running out of chances, homie. Like, you had choices before. You had chances before, and you chose the wrong one every single time. At that point all you can pretty much be is like an anti-hero or villain protagonist. Like there's not much you can do after that. Well, and I think it becomes really problematic if he does, right? Like if you give him a chance to clean up his act, then in a way you're saying that you're forgiving him for all of the actions that he's taken. And I don't think that's where we need that story to go. I do think it would be interesting to see Yelena have some sort of relationship with him now. Because I think when you go through trauma and that trauma involves your family, part of that recovery is figuring out what your new relationship with them is, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it would be interesting to see in her continued development, her have to figure out, you know, how much they get forgiven for and how they're just now that she's an adult that is trying to recover from the trauma that they put her through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We, we've, we've talked about how Black Widow should have been a movie from the get-go. Like, like the MCU sat on that for so long. Uh, how would we have done the MCU? How would we have done the MCU differently? Giving Black Widow her solo film or films, uh, Avengers movie lineups, like, how much does this ripple? Like, do you just... Do you just give Black Widow her solo films and just insert them and then it's hands off at that point? Or do you make her play a bigger, better role in the MCU as a whole? Let's see. I'm looking at like the MC the official MCU lineup right now because like yeah. I want to like put where to put this, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because I kind of know I, yeah, where I want to put it, way. but I want to remember what came before and what came after. You know what I mean? Um right. Why is oh my god, I just saw the old ass Hulk. Um let's see. Because I definitely would put it after Avengers. I put it after Avengers. Um Okay. And hold on. The Avengers, Iron Man 3, Thor the Dark. I think it should have been either after the Avengers or after Iron Man 3. 
And at the very latest, it should have been after Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Because... Would you... Okay. Because here's the thing. Why the hell did we get Thor the Dark World <laughs> before we got Black Widow? Um, but... I, actually, no, I scratch that. I think at the latest, it should have been after Iron Man 3 instead of after yeah. uh, the Winter Soldier because we see it now again in the Winter Soldier. So yeah. it's yeah. like, it definitely should have been at least at the, the start of her trilogy should have been like 2013, 2014. And it should have concluded now. Like we should have had either a an origin story I, or we should have had, even if even if they weren't ready to do a solo film, they should have had the Budapest. They should have had her and Clinton Budapest. Uh, if they were not ready for to trust fans to be able to go see a, a woman-led film without losing their minds, like if y'all could, right. if y'all really couldn't trust it, guys, you could have stuck her with Clint because apparently, apparently, Clint is what people want. So like we could have. Everybody the wants that Jeremy movie. Renner. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that Jeremy Renner cinematic magic that we all think about when we close our eyes and we think about Jeremy Renner and his 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 effect on cinema. Him picking you know, you up could the like bones, smell it. Arrows. Could, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like she's she's lacking that. We we should have gotten if they if they weren't ready to let us have just a singular Black Widow movie, we should have gotten Budapest, and that should have been after Iron Man three, if at at the earliest. I mean, at the latest. Like a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie? Yeah. And we should have gotten probably the second one. Let's see what came out around that time. We should have gotten the second one. Because at this point, I don't know if it would have been, a, it, it would have had to be, the first one obviously would have been a prequel. The first one would have obviously been before the events of the Avengers. But... Yeah. God, we got so much stuff in the. I when you when it comes out all like when you see it coming out as it's coming out, it's not as big as you think it is. And then when you yeah. look back at the list, you're like, oh my god, I really just sat down and <laughs> just watched all of that. Um, yeah, I think we should have gotten the second one after Age of Ultron. We should have gotten the second one either before or after Age of Ultron. And I feel like that one should have been like, yeah, because it's hard because if they weren't going to get, because you know, they weren't going to give her an origin story, you know, they weren't going to give her like a pre Avengers style, like build up. And that's, the, that's the sad part where it's like, if they had just done that to begin with, we could have gotten her origin story. We could have gotten her red room experience and then we could have gotten Budapest and then we could have gotten this, but you know, they would have right. gone with Budapest first had they done it. So I can't even figure out what to put in the middle. What kind of solo yeah. adventure would they have after like whole ass aliens and space terrorists came? Like what 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 would they have given her? You know? What crumbs would she yeah. have had left after like they literally destroyed New York and destroyed so many things after that? Like what would right. they have given her to make to have her have an impact to make her go have people watch it? Yeah. Like it just further proves the point where it's like we should have gotten an origin story, we should have gotten Budapest, and we should have gotten this. But they would have, they would have went, they would have had a sticker with a guy first to make it marketable. Yeah, and it's just annoying. Yeah. Um. Okay. 
Uh, Alexis, do you have do you have any ideas? I mean, you know what my answer is going to be. Um, but no, I think, I mean, I think the idea of setting it up after the Avengers and doing a Budapest movie that maybe also had hints of her backstory is interesting to set it up that way as a shield origin to somehow leave that movie so that she's in a place that the events in Iron Man two make sense. Um, but I think what is interesting is setting up those flashbacks of her time in the red room with a character in the background that you don't really see, right? So you have Bucky there from her time in the comics, but you don't know that that's who it is, right? He's always in the back of a frame or the or the corner of a moment. And then you can tie Captain America Winter Soldier into her story. She and Steve can mm. go through that moment of discovering that they both know him at the same time. Um, yeah. or even having Steve discovered a little bit first, like he does in the comic, right? And then having Natasha in this position where she knows, you know, who he is and he remembers her and where, you know, where do they go from there? And I actually think that sets up everybody's relationships in Civil War to be far more interesting. Um, and that you can actually have a conversation in Civil War then about the Sokovian Accords and what government oversight means mm -hmm. rather than just having a conversation about Bucky. Um, so I think that, that, that would be the comic tie-in that I would want. I would want those moments to, to be able to tie that movie into her story a little bit, a little bit better. Yeah. Also kind of like segueing off topic, off topic, does Captain America Civil War feel like an Avengers movie to you? Cause it feels like one to me. It never seemed like yeah. a Captain America movie to me. Like, like every yeah. single time like I catch myself accidentally calling it an Avengers movie and I'm like, no, it's a cat movie, but literally everyone is here mm -hmm. and we introduce spider-man and okay marvel i guess it's a captain america movie that's what you sold it to me as um yeah but it, it always felt like an avengers movie and then age of ultron oddly did not <laughs> like it felt very weird like yeah. I, I don't know how they made one captain america movie feel like an avengers movie and an avengers movie not feel like a, an avengers movie yeah um I, I i mean I when i think about age of ultron i think about like the things that it brought into the mcu and i feel like although like it's not my favorite movie at all i think that like like it brought a lot of things that yeah. we've been like obviously further but there are certain movies that i care nothing about uh i don't know i don't know who i've said it to i i don't like dr strange didn't have to exist like, not his character. His character, you could have introduced him in Thor Ragnarok like you did. You could have then had him, like, pop in in, uh, in, in in Avengers Infinity War. Essentially, why couldn't we treat Doctor Strange like we treated Black Widow in Iron Man 2? You know what I mean? And when you think about it, th uh, think about it that way, like, it really points out, like, nah, they just didn't care. They just did not care. You could have had Doctor Strange be like, I'm your doctor. And like, then he has magical powers. That would have been the same thing that they did to Scarlet or Scarlet, Black Widow in Iron Man 2. Mm -hmm. Why, why did we get that? So I would have taken Doctor Strange as a solo movie completely out of, we, we didn't need it. We didn't need it. And then like Iron Man 3, we also didn't need I don't care. I would get rid of Iron Man 3 more so than Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 at least leads up to Avengers. Mm -hmm. So I would I would definitely put like Black Widow in instead of Iron Man 3. Um, uh, Mr. Plow says there are key Infinity Stone movies and Doctor Strange 
had the like one of the infinity stones. Yeah, but you could have. It's a time stone. It's not that hard. It controls time. Like, put that. Great. Put the time stone in a Black Widow movie. One supernatural element in a spy thriller. One bad guy that wants a MacGuffin. He can control time and with time control people. Great. Now we we ex- can explore more concepts. Like, you know, I mean, we gave Red Skull the Tesseract. Like, we can give another Nazi the time thing and then have Black Widow fight him. You know? Like, well, and I think if you put the time stone in a in a movie with Black Widow or Bucky, then you're you know, those are two characters who are gonna be at some in some level tempted by that choice. Mm-hmm. You know, what do right. they do if they change time? Like Bucky in the comics. You right. know, he gets tempted to go back in time and he decides not to because he doesn't know how it will affect things. And I think that that's actually would have right. been a really interesting part of their story. And it's foreshadowing right. because time travel is literally the reason why Black Widow dies. Mm-hmm. Like Very going back in time and going to Vormir and getting the freaking soul stone from Red Skull. That's literally the reason she dies. So having a... um the time stone in a black widow movie would have been hella foreshadowing. Like if you really, really, really wanted to eat her off a cliff that badly, at least make it interesting. Like that's the thing. It's like, you could have done so, they could have done so much. And instead we just get like Stephen Strange not being good enough for Rachel McAdams. Like, (laughs) like, yeah. Like, right. Okay, fine. And like, I understand, like, oh, but the multiverse of madness, you couldn't have, I'm pretty sure, like, you didn't have, like, of course you have to have Doctor Strange in it, but I'm pretty sure it didn't have to be Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. It could have been something else in the multiverse of madness. Right. Like, we literally had a, a god of Asgard be the one to open up the multiverse. Like, we did things didn't need to go the way they thought they needed to go you know they could have had so many different avenues right and even if they thought that like a solo woman movie would not hit big they could have had it's not that big like i wouldn't do this i wouldn't love this but if they did it it was like have robert downey jr have 15 minutes in a black widow movie just to assuage them to be like i guess we'll green light it like, I think that, like, they just did not care, mm-hmm. right? They just didn't care. But, like, it's a shame. It, it, it's a shame, and it's something that, like, I, I, I've said before. It's like, I'm a huge X-Men fan, and Fox was messing up the X-Men, and it sucked so much. But then when I realized that, like, the goal is the MCU gets it, they can do it better, Hopefully, I still have hope that the MCU will take the X-Men and do them better to the way that I would like them to do it. And there's still a hope that's in the future that, like, they will take these characters that I love. But if you love Natasha, it's you know, you over. Get Yelena. We're just like, we fridge this one girl, but we're going to try to make it better by giving you another one. Like, right. We can't have them both at the same time. Heaven exactly. That, that that's that, that's the thing that gets me upset where it's like so you couldn't have had both of them like you you had right. you had to get rid- you did not you did not because at the end of the day like i'm gonna be completely honest with you the only reason i'm watching the hawkeye series is so that i'm not out of the loop like if the only reason i'm watching the series is so i know what the hell's going on and one that i care about you already failed like right. you already failed a part of your audience because I'm not watching it because I'm really excited to see Jeremy Renner pick up some arrows. I'm only watching it so that I know what the hell's going on later. 
Right. And that's that that shouldn't be the reason why I'm watching something. I should be excited as a consumer, as someone right. who has been watching this for over a decade. Like that my only reason for watching something shouldn't be just to know what's going on later. You, you, right. your, your series shouldn't be a filler episode. And it wouldn't have had to be had you not gotten rid of one of the most interesting characters that we had. Right. Um, I would have ate a yeah. Black Widow series. I would have ate, I would have ate it. They would have been yeah. able to do so much. They would have had a whole episode dedicated to the Red Room. They could have had a whole 45 minutes of Natasha's backstory. And I would have ate that. But we're yeah. gonna get Clint and his toddler and some arrows and I don't care. I, it's not his toddler. It's not his toddler. It, oh, just so you know. Oh, well, it, one of them's a toddler. Somebody, somebody's a toddler. <laughs> so, I, I like Haley Steinfeld. She will be playing Kate Bishop. I am looking forward to that. That being said, like, again, Clint should have died on Vormir. Yeah. Uh, Clint should have died. And, like, Scarlett Johansson, Natasha should have continued, and she didn't. And I forget what I was going to, I forget what else I was going to say, but I, I don't know. Uh, she could have been a great teacher. <laughs> like, yeah. A great teacher, we, a great mentor. And we got, yeah. we didn't get that. Yeah. We could get to watch Clint pick up some more arrows on the battlefield. <laughs> Well, yeah. and the problem they're running into, I think, in future properties as well, is that, like, all your mentors are ending up being men because you didn't have the women. Yeah. So, like, then you're having all of these men introduce young female prodigies, which starts to become a little problematic. And I think that's what the Hawkeye show is set up to do, right? And it would be a far more interesting story if you had left women around to be able to mentor. Right. Right. Um... I am looking forward to Miss Marvel and the way Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau are going to play a part either in the Miss Marvel show or the Marvel's, you know, sequel movie. Um, and, uh, but no, bringing up like Black Widow having her own series, you could have gone full ham on the Winter Guard. The Winter Guard is Russian, the Russian Avengers. It's their superhero team. The Guardian, Red Guardian is on it. Ursa Major is on it. Uh, 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 a bunch of other just randos. We could have, we could have got like a bunch of just like the Guardians of the Galaxy treatment, but for Winter Guard, just made them all just like crazy, ridiculous people and characters. We could have had that. And you've now cut off the portion of the storytelling now, right? And again, Hawkeye doesn't add to the storytelling. He doesn't. Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye doesn't add anything to the storytelling. You could take him out and I wouldn't notice. That's sad. Like, and, and here's right. the thing too, it's like they don't have an excuse either. They don't have an excuse because they just introduced a multiverse. They tried to make an excuse in Endgame where Bruce was like, I tried to snap her back, it didn't work. Like, they, they could have, they, they have. They, they could have retconned that. No, they could have retconned that. Yes. They could have brought 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 uh, Natasha back to whistle at the end of Black Widow. They could have just been like, and then the Hulk brought her back. That's it. Jay Jonah Jameson from the Sam Raimi trilogy in a Spider-Man movie. We're gonna have Doctor Octopus. We have people from whole ass different companies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> MCU and y'all can't bring back Natasha. Y'all can't bring back a variant of Natasha. We have variants now. We have Lo Loki came back again. Like right. 
you can why can't you bring back Natasha? What is the reason? You're just trying to make up reasons why you can't bring her back. If ScarJo's on board, what's the problem? Uh, I think they would rather bring 15 Jeremy Renners in before they bring uh, Scarlett Johansson. We'll have a Hawkeye variant from every universe we didn't want to think of. Right. Oh, no. Let's not open up that door. (laughs) Oh, no. And what sucks is I don't want to make fun of Hawkeye because I like Hawkeye in the comics. So I keep hoping he's going to be better, better, but, like, Jeremy Renner is horrible. Like... He's, why? I swear to God, if I see a Hawkeye variant and not a Natasha variant, I'm off. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Somebody owes Jeremy Renner something. I'm like he has somebody like. If he's got dirt on someone. Yeah. Yeah. If I have to see more than one Jeremy Renner on my screen, I'm gonna lose my life. <laughs> uh, oh God. Uh, There's literally no excuse now. You opened up a multiverse. There's alternate timelines. Y'all can't find one Natasha. Where where are they? Well, in variant Natasha's are so interesting because of the trauma. Yeah. Like you, you get them all a, at different times. Yeah. One that was actually a ballerina, one that didn't grow up in the red room, one that was a real Romanoff. Like there are yeah. a thousand ways you get to go in Natasha variant. One who grew up with her mother, the one that we just mentioned that yeah. got murked. Exactly. Off screen. Oh. Like I forgot about that. That was yeah. a mention that was just like ugh. By the way, you um, had a biological mom that wanted you, and she looked for you all the time, but no, nah, she's gone. Like, no. what's, yeah. the, what's the excuse, Marvel? I want to know the excuse. Like, we have, oh, you, oh, you opened all the doors, and none of them have Natasha behind them? Like, yeah. make that make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's why, I, I don't know. That's why we got our first uh, 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 person of color movie in phase three. It's why we got the first female-led movie in phase three. It was like, let's wait till the absolutely... Sorry? I said, well, like, the issue with Captain Marvel is that, like, it it also works as an origin story for Fury. So it's not, like, it's a female-led superhero movie, but it really isn't. Like, Mm -hmm. they looked at a a man of color, and they looked at a woman. They were like, well, we can't give you two movies, so I guess you're just going to have to make it work together. Right. Right. Uh, Talk about three-fifths of a movie, you know? Yeah. Oof. Um, Yeah. Um, As we close up this episode, because I know we we could... I mean, we could stay online for a couple more hours just being like... Jeremy Renner. Oh, Jesus. Jeremy Renner. This turned into a Jeremy like, Renner slander podcast. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, uh, we we do have to uh, to close up uh, a little bit. The, uh, uh, the the improv team has the space after us. They're renting this, this podcast space out uh, right after. So we got to clear out uh, so they can come in and practice. Um, no, uh... As, as we close up this episode, uh, it's been amazing talking with both of you, Alexis and Amanda, uh, about all this. Does anyone have any, like, final thoughts that they weren't able to get out uh, without us going over by, like, four more hours? Um, but, like, I don't know. Is there, like, I, I there's so much frustration that, that we have about the potential of this character, the way the movie itself was handled, the way the MCU was handled in, in, in reference to this character. Um, I I don't know. Uh, speak now or forever, or hold your peace. I I guess. 
all know what I'm gonna say. You can't get to pale blonde with box dye. You can't you can't get to pale blonde with box dye. Whoever put that scene in, I wanna talk. You need lightener and you need toner. I don't know what she thought she was gonna get with Faria having naturally bright ass red hair. She would have been orange and she would have needed to go to a salon afterwards to get it fixed. And yeah. that's all I'm gonna say on that matter. And <laughs> like Brad Mondo is rolling over in his future grave. And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I I, I I think there's two thoughts about that. It's like one of which is obviously a man is writing this script because of many, many instances uh, of that. But then also like how the opposite of incognito would be orange hair. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the widows are like, have you seen this woman? And they're like, oh yeah, Ronna McDonald. She went that way. This, here's the thing too, pale blonde. It's like, okay, we already have Scarlett Johansson. Gorgeous, right? Her cover story was being a model. So we're going to give her the most eye-catching color we can find that's natural. That's not spy behavior, Nat. That's not spy. Just dye it black. Dye it black and you will blend right in. You'll be fine. Like, yeah. (laughs) What's, What's weird is when I was watching Iron Man 2 and I knew who Black Widow was from the comics... I did not put two and two together that that was Black Widow because of how off it was until she was black, like revealed to be Black Widow. And like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I just didn't, because I don't know. That movie mistreated her as well. It was just a bunch of mistreatment. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexis, any any closing thoughts? Not really. I mean, I think with the Iron Man 2 point, one of the things that I still really miss about her character is that we didn't get to see a whole lot of time of her being an actual spy. We don't, in this movie, really get to see her be a spy. We get a hint of it in Winter Soldier. We get a little bit of it in Iron Man 2, but it would be nice somewhere to get her actually being a spy since she's the greatest one in the world. And we've, only spycraft we've seen is her dyeing her hair blonde. Yeah. Um, it may have been in the most recent run of Black Widow comics, but they say that essentially, like, because of her being a spy, she's used to playing multiple roles, and one of the roles she plays is that of a superhero, and how it's her superhero role isn't really her right in and of herself. Like, there's the Avengers Natasha, which is just as fake as the secretary Natasha from Iron Man 2. Such a poser. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, uh, I think that, I mean, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. I think, I, again, I think it's in the recent comics, but again, we can't explore that. It's in the eighth that, issue of the Kelly Thompson run. Oh, okay. So there we go. So I, uh, I it's just a lot of lost potential. Um, Thank you, Alexis. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on the show, talking with me about Black Widow, about uh, uh, the movies, the MCU, the character in and of herself. Um, Thank you to the audience out there who's been watching this whole time. Mr. Plow's out there. Uh, Sylvan Fox was out there. Uh, There's a couple other people out there. If I didn't get to you, I'm sorry. Um, We were streaming on a bunch of live streaming uh, platforms, but our number one is volume.com. It's a new streaming platform based around uh, musicians, singers, uh, acting, performance-based stuff, niche geek shows. I guess we we fall into it. So they've been good to us. We've been good to them. So thank you to volume.com um, 
uh, for that. But we also stream to Twitch, we stream to Facebook, we stream to YouTube. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you're not seeing our faces, but you're listening to this, you're listening to this on uh, our, our, our podcast where uh, that's on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play. We're all over there. So thank you so much for that. Check out past episodes. Uh, those are super cool as well. Um, uh, Alexis and Amanda, uh, Alexis, uh, what's your social media? If you could say that out loud to anyone who's listening to the podcast and then tell us uh, what you got coming up, if there's any plugs that you want to do. Um, I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Alexis Blake Reads Comics. And um, I'm on Twitter as well. And there's nothing much coming up for me. I don't really, you know, I just talk about comics. It's what I do. It's about it. Yeah. Uh, you have an amazing TikTok. So anyone who's out there uh, with a TikTok, definitely go follow Alexis. Uh, and if you don't have a TikTok, create a TikTok. TikTok's super fun. Uh, I mean, there's there's ups and downs as far as us as creators are concerned. Uh, but like as a viewer, uh, you know, uh, uh, support these awesome creators out there. Um, so uh, thank you, Alexis, for coming on the show. Thanks for having uh, Amanda. Yeah. Uh, Amanda. Uh, what's your social media? Where can people find you? Got anything coming up? Uh, so I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on YouTube. I've posted on YouTube in a while because uh, stuff. But um, okay. my TikTok is Amanda Just Vibin. Uh, I post mostly just nerd content. It ranges from anime to Star Wars, MCU, all good. Just if it's nerd content, it's probably there. And um, I do reaction content, I do skits, and I just do general commentary. Um, my Instagram is the Amanda 2D. Um, that one's a little bit more tame, a little bit more standard Instagram. Sometimes I have a skit up or two up there. Sometimes I have a selfie. Um, and then Instagram story, just anything. <laughs> and then my YouTube is Amanda Castrello, C-A-S-T-R-I-L-L-O, just my name. It's very basic. And um, that's where I just normally post my compilations of things and just a kind of condensed of what my TikTok is. And yeah, and as far as anything coming up, um, I am just doing some personal projects on the side that I'm like kind of breadcrumbing, but also not like completely releasing until they're ready for human consumption and, uh, <laughs> just going to be going on with doing my skits and everything that I normally do on my TikTok page. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, Amanda, yours is another TikTok that like, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, and uh, again, anyone who is not on TikTok, uh, hop on TikTok and go follow uh, Alexis and Amanda on their uh, respective uh, TikToks because they're definitely worth following. Um, if you are watching this, uh, you may already be a fan of The Keeg. So follow us uh, at The Keeg Show on TikTok and on Instagram. Those are our two big social media stuff that I'm trying to update more and more often. But if you want to know our schedule for our multiple shows that we have coming up, definitely uh, 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 follow us there on that. Uh, this is the Keeg Live. We were talking about a different geek discussion every other geek week. So in two weeks, we're going to be talking about um, uh, Jungle Cruise and like the Disney ride movies that have come out in the past, whether they're good or bad or uh, whatever. Uh, we're going to definitely be talking about that. So stay tuned in two weeks for us to do that. Uh, in the meantime, we have comic talk on thursday nights and the key back on friday nights and then when what if starts we're going to do the what if after show so definitely stay tuned you can follow us on instagram at the key show and uh we're gonna uh you know you can stay tuned to what our schedule has there 
Um, thank you yet again to the audience. Thank you, Alexis and Amanda, so much for coming on the show, talking with us. You guys could be out partying hard, but you're not. You're staying here talking to us about uh, Black Widow, and I definitely appreciate it. Um, once again, uh, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been The Keeg Live. Take care, everybody. Super strong or super fast Gotta beat the